Hello and welcome to the Caravan Industry Insights Podcast. This podcast is for anyone working in the caravan industry, whether you're from a manufacturer, supplier or dealer here in the UK or elsewhere. So listen every week to hear insights, interviews and marketing tips to help keep you and your business more informed and successful. I'm John Rawlings, a journalist and communications expert with a lifelong passion for caravanning and 20 plus years PR and event experience in the car and caravan industries. From starting in the editorial team at Practical Caravan Magazine to working in the press offices at Vauxhall, Volvo and Volkswagen and now in my own business specialising in the caravan industry. Hello, this is episode four of my Caravan Industry Insights podcast. And in this episode, we're going to be talking media, more specifically caravan media. And we've got a bit of a legend being interviewed this week. It's none other than the leisure vehicle journalist and content producer, Andrew Ditton. I've known Andrew for many years and I've always respected his work, particularly as he was really pioneering at starting a YouTube channel back in the day when no one else was really doing it. His YouTube channel has been a mega success. He's now had over 16 million views of his content and has almost 70,000 subscribers. And he's just taken another bold and quite pioneering step, actually buying an electric tow car, and he's already creating some really practical and informative content around that hot topic. We had a really interesting conversation about media trends and why brands need to engage with consumers and, of course, electric tow cars. So stay tuned, listen to this interview, and I think you'll find it really interesting. Here we go. Hello, Andrew. Hello, John. Thanks for having me on the podcast. It's brilliant. You're a very, very welcome guest. And having known you for many, many years, it's very nice to have someone that familiar. And I know you've got lots of great views and opinions, and uh, there's definitely going to be lots we can talk about. We just have to remind ourselves not to talk all day, I think, is going to be yes. the key thing. So let's let's start in the traditional podcast fashion of saying, why don't you just introduce us, because I'm sure there's some people out there that might not have heard of you before. You could just give us a brief intro and tell us your name, what you do, etc. That would be great. What's my name? Well, where do I come from? So my yeah. name is Andrew, Andrew Ditton, and I have been involved in the leisure vehicle industry now for over 20 years, starting off with Caravan Magazine as a freelance contributor. And here we are today. I am a full-time content producer. So I still, I still do a little bit of work in traditional media, but most of my work these days is in new media and I've somehow managed to build build one of the, the largest and most engaged audiences on YouTube over the past 10 years. And that's sort of where I, I focus my activities now. But I, I remain very much a, a content producer for the industry. So I've worked for the likes of Adria, for the Erwin Heimer Group, Airstream, the Caravan and Motorhome Club, and yeah, a few others like that. So that yeah, is well, what I do, John. Well, well done. You were a, you were a pioneer in the YouTube space, weren't you? You've, you've worked hard to get to where you are now. It was hard work, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was hard work. And spawned, it, it is hard work, yeah. Spawned many people wanting to uh, do the same and encourage, encourage them to do videos as well. So it's it's led to a great, great result. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, and, and like, like me, you've grown up with caravanning all your life as well, through family holidays, etc. So this is your real passion. Oh, absolutely. I, I grew up caravanning as a kid. Uh, first of all, the family, we would go down to Spain in the early 70s, mm-hmm. take the caravan down to the Costa Brava. And then in the late 70s and 80s, I used to go caravanning with my grandmother. And it was quite funny because it transitioned from she would take care of me to as she got into her 80s and 90s, I would take care of her. 
Oh, and <laughs> we carried on this tradition until I was 21. So I used to even tow the caravan from the age of 17. Wow. That's fantastic. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, very similar for me. I grew up with family holidays all over Europe as well. And when you look back now, this, this pre, pre the days of Google Maps or even credit cards and stuff, it was a very different experience. How did we do it, John? I know. I don't know. do think, how did we do it? Yeah. It's definitely yeah, more an adventure. Yeah. It's more an adventure. In but certainly I can remember it was quite rare to see another English caravan and you'd give them a big wave if you saw them coming the other way. That was uh, quite a novelty. Yeah, although I'm, I bless technology now because I'm not sure I would attempt to do what I do on my own without technological backup. I guess you could. Yeah. I, I guess I did. I used to plan with maps and things, but right. it was just more difficult when things went wrong. Yeah, yeah, no, it's so much easier now. So, so we've been through what you do and why, or how you've ended up doing this. I think it's uh, it's really good. So uh, we've all enjoyed your videos for many years, and they're very, very good, very professional, and I have to say, very, very thorough. So why else would an agency or somebody in the industry use someone like yourself rather than go into a big glitzy agency? I think because the the people watching the videos, the, the, the consumers basically relate to what I do because caravanners and motorhomers and campervanners, it's quite a family feel. We We respect each other. I feel there's a lot of people really respect you if they see you doing what they're doing and if you understand their challenges and their problems and their hopes and their aspirations, and when the, people know what I do is genuine, it is genuine, mm. and I feel it's way more engaging than something that's smooth, slick, uh, mm-hmm. uh, not at all engaging. I think there is definitely, for businesses listening to this, there's definitely the need for both kinds of marketing i think or pro- or content should i say i feel that yes for the for the person who's in for the person who's ordering that motorhome then yes you want that agency produced beautiful aspirational dreamy imagery but to get people there and to engage people and to actually give your product credibility, mm-hmm. then that's where you need to hire a you know, someone like myself, if this doesn't sound too much like an advertisement, but mm-hmm. someone who is relatable and has engaged is engaged with not so much a large audience, but I would say a high quality audience. And you only get that quality of engagement through working hard at it and being being relatable. I, I don't feel that when people see glossy, smooth content and it's not relatable, yes, it's attractive and yes, you might get a lot of numbers clicking on it. But at the end of the day, you don't, yes, you want a good number of people looking at that content and enjoying it and hopefully then clicking through to your product. But you you want the right people the right quality, the right caliber of people, mm-hmm. uh, you know, clicking through to your products and maybe asking for more information and so on, which will start taking your time. You want to spend your time effectively as a business following up on productive leads. You don't want hundreds of leads to nowhere. You, you just want a few high quality, good leads that will hopefully lead to a relationship with that consumer, whether it's as a customer or just as a friend of the business. 
Yeah, it's the same uh, the same argument as editorial versus advertising, isn't it? Editorial is, yes. is, is a third-party genuine content written by someone else rather than produced by a marketing department. So it's it's got that credibility to it, hasn't it? Absolutely. So do you get recognised a lot on when you're out and about on sites these days? I do, yes, especially <laughs> when I'm at home in the Outer Hebrides because oh, right. I, I do a lot of content based on visiting responsible camping in the Outer Hebrides. And yes. Yes, I've just had a few visitors over and it gets quite embarrassing every time you go out. And it's nice, don't get me wrong. It's, yeah, it's yeah, nice. Yeah. It's nice to meet the people and chat with them. And yes, great, great PR for the islands. I, I've definitely inspired you. Yeah. I mean, I've still not made it yet, but I will, I will come, well, I promise. You must. You must. So in the time you've been doing this, how, how has the media changed in the, in the caravan industry? It's changed dramatically, I would say, over the past five to ten years. Mm-hmm. For example, a few years ago, and I I, I talked about this in Caravan Writers Guild uh, dinners and events and so on. Yeah. A few years ago, for example, it would be the model that uh, a freelance journalist who generally had another source of income, who was not full-time caravan journalist, would go to, say, a show like the NEC or Caravan Salon in Dusseldorf. They would have a wander around, maybe see if there was something interesting, maybe write about it or take some photos, and then take that to publishers and say, are you interested in this? I feel those days are gone. Uh, Everything now is commission-based, you know, for for traditional media and for a lot of uh, new media now everything a lot of things are now commission based and the days of just going along and then hopefully selling it afterwards i feel are behind us now we we we, we need commissions and with that in mind i feel that for the businesses uh, that has to change the way they have for example product launches and things like this because who is going to spend hundreds of pounds of their time and then have nothing at the end and nothing to show at the end of it? Mm. Uh, you, so if, for example, five years ago, 10 years ago, a caravan manufacturer would launch a product preview every year and the magazines would all go along. I used to go along on behalf of magazines. I'd be commissioned to do that and report on the new products. And that would be fine. I would be paid by the magazine. The magazine would recoup that money in advertising to the manufacturers. Well, these days, the manufacturers want the new media there as well. Mm-hmm. And so they should, because the new media is is very good at getting the, the, the message out there in a yeah. very fast and effective way. Mm-hmm. But there's still no understanding of the fact that, for example, someone like myself does not have that advertising revenue that the magazines have. So if I come and feature your product and put it in front of my audience of 70,000 people and, well, you know, it's beyond 70, I've got 70,000 subscribers, but the audience goes goes worldwide. Mm -hmm. But again, you're not so much interested in worldwide. You just want your, your, you want it out there. Mm -hmm. But how do I afford that? Uh, There's this huge misinterpretation that YouTube pays well uh, with the advertising, what we call the AdSense. It does not. Uh, You need about a million views to earn 2,000 US dollars. That's a lot of views. So if you're getting 100,000 views, 
that's 200 US dollars. And how, how is, so even to get 100,000 views on, on the product, which for the manufacturer, great, look at all those eyeballs on our product. Mm-hmm. How on earth is the journalist being able to make a living out of that? Mm-hmm. So th- things are changing so much. And I feel that there's a lot of misunderstanding in the industry still about how it works. Mm-hmm. And which is exactly why, why I'm interviewing, so we can get the message out and help people understand it, really. Mm. Definitely. I, I, I have been invited to previews uh, from manufacturers who are not my clients, because again, if, this, if a manufacturer is your client and you're in a position to do so, obviously you, you, you work on that good relationship. You think, yeah. well, they've supported me, yeah. I will support them. Yeah. But when manufacturers who, are, who have not been clients then invite you to a preview and you say, look, I, I don't expect to be paid for this, but I would like you to foot my travel expenses. Mm-hmm. So you get dropped hotter than a, <laughs> you know, a, that would be a piece of hot, piece of hot coal. For them. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. But it, it's like, it, well, it, has, it, has then, changed, it certainly has changed a lot. I mean, from my, when I was on Practical Caravan, Oh, probably 20 years ago now. Certainly the size of circulation of the magazines, their budgets have all changed as well, haven't they? Mm. Uh, I know that their advertising budgets have all been squeezed. And through what I do with PR, I've had certainly one magazine said they would only test a client's vehicle if, if they ab- then advertised as well. And mm. that certainly never used to be the case. We were always staunchly uh, independent from advertising when I was uh, on the editorial side of it. And it wasn't it wasn't that magazine I'm talking about, fortunately. But I know some of the smaller ones are in a situ- difficult situation. But as a journalist, I find that that quite hard. Yeah, and, and again, I'm not saying that. Oh, I would only go to a launch if it's a client. You know, if it's someone who who supports mm. what I do. But I also have to think about what is my audience interested in. So, sort of the editorial side. Mm-hmm. of what I do. So, so there's plenty of content I put out that is nothing to do with anyone who's sponsored me or anything like that. And for example, there's a, a small business here on the island that I'm looking forward to having a look at their camper vans. And I know for a fact they would never be able to sponsor me, but I feel an island-based handmade camper van business is going to be of interest to my audience. So I'll, you know, I'll go and do that. Right, but yeah, I, I think media in in this industry has changed massively over the past yeah. five to ten years. But also, John, just to pick up where you said, oh, you know, you've inspired lots of people to do what you're doing. Yes, but I come from a background where you know, like you say, we've known each other twenty years, and I was working with Caravan Magazine and the Club Magazines and so on. So I've got that grounding, whereas a lot of people are seeing what you do and think, oh, I can do that, and are not accountable. They're not going through an editorial process they never have done. Mm -hmm. And that can also be very precarious for Mm -hmm. the businesses who are looking to put their product out in front of people. Yeah, so that that brings me on to my next question, really, is really what is is wrong with free content that is offered to manufacturers or the temptation (laughs) for manufacturers to go down that route? I, I cannot understand how a business can spend thousands, if not millions of pounds on their brand and then give that brand to someone who is not accountable and let them just play with it. I, I, I'm just aghast at how many manufacturers or businesses as I say should think, actually, no, we're going to save a, a buck or two. And yeah, we, 
you know, our brand's worth thousands, if not millions, but we'll give it to these guys because, yeah, the, the other guy's going to charge us so much money for that and we want to do it cheap. And I've seen, or I think we know there are a few cases where some businesses have ended up with pretty bloody noses where someone's come along and said, well, I can do this for you for nothing. And they've gone with it. And then suddenly their brand's down the toilet and they're trying, uh, what, you know, they're, they're pumping lots of money into damage limitation. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's a classic case of if something's free, then generally you'll get what you paid for. And sure, sure. You know, I, I, I do, I still get offers all when you know, would you like to come down and test our camper van? And I say, oh, okay, well, you know, we, we start at this much, you know, if, and, and I declare this all to the audience, you know, this is sponsored by the manufacturer and yes. I still yes. maintain my integrity. So yes. I still say it as it is. And yeah, it just amazes me how, how many people will spend so many thousands on a page in a magazine, but they don't value uh, wider reaching, longer lasting, more genuine content to the same value. Mm-hmm. I, I don't understand well, that. I agree because I've always felt with people I've dealt with that they understand what advertising is. They've been doing it for years and they're happy to pay those sort of levels. And obviously it, it does work and it, it's, it's great that they do it. But when it comes down, okay, you're producing content. If I'm doing PR, getting them to, some people to spend money on PR, they just don't understand the benefit of it adequately enough. So... I think no. this is good that we can explain the benefits of getting valuable, proper, yeah. high-quality content out there. Yeah, I, I mean, one of my newer clients is is a caravan dealership, and I'm dealing with the marketing manager. Mm-hmm. And before she joined the company, there there was no role in the in in that 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 fairly large dealership. Right, and I'm thinking so. How, how surely? You've got the products, you've got the sales expertise, you've got the service expertise, but how are you actually getting that to market? Mm-hmm. And I guess they blustered their way through somehow and they suddenly realized, hey, light bulb, if we, if we employ this person who can then commission these people, we can, we can really take off and that's what they've done. Right. Oh, I'm impressed they've got a marketing manager. Yeah. That's, a, that's a big step forward. Mm. And then, then for marketing people to understand content and, and PR as well, actually. So, yeah. It's very yes, because again, again, I think some of the some of the marketing people, you know, if they've been and done their marketing degrees in the nineties or early two thousands, you know, it's moved so quickly. It yes. has moved so quickly, and people are still fumbling around and finding what works, what doesn't work. Yes, so we haven't mentioned the term influencer marketing. That's that's a, quite a buzzword. <laughs> <laughs> You've gone green, Andrew. <laughs> oh, I hate that word. I know, I know. but that's that's. That, if I was in that position, a, a marketing position, that's something that I think would be mm. you'd be getting FOMO almost if you didn't feel you were doing it, or or, or not uh, how to go about doing that properly. Yeah, I mean, I there's this influencer thing, and yeah, but I feel that where I think fits better with this industry is the brand ambassador. I feel that for a company to have one, two, maybe three brand ambassadors mm-hmm. is is a good thing. Now, I personally do not wish to be a brand ambassador because you are then limited to one company. Yeah. Once you're a brand ambassador for company A, you can no longer do work for anyone else while you are tithing with that manufacturer yeah. or that company. And that company has to compensate you for that. Yeah. But I feel that the brand ambassador scheme is 
is great for companies because if they get, and you've got to get a good mix, and we're not talking about your sort of, you know, your 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 alpha male off doing, you know, rootin', tootin', huntin', shootin' kind of thing. Uh, I, I feel that for a start, there's not enough women, female brand ambassadors. We don't have enough people of color in this industry. That's true. Uh, people, and I also feel that aside from brand ambassadors or, you know, as you say, influencers, but I prefer a brand ambassador is someone who's sticks with the company for the year. You know, they, they, they declare their role and they go out on, you know, they, they pound the pavements and they, they do a good job, but they've got to be the right people. And I feel that one of the reasons that I think what I've done has taken off so well, and I hate talk, we all hate talking about ourselves in a positive way mm-hmm. is the fact that I am so ordinary you know i am nothing special in fact i'm a bit of a bore if i tell a joke you've probably heard it before <laughs> still <laughs> singing, singing. <laughs> but you see what i mean it's like people relate to that yeah. and yeah when I, I remember growing up in the 80s in the year you know it, mass consumerism and and the all the glossy magazines with all the the yuppie lifestyles in mm-hmm. and I, I'm one of those people that if I see someone doing something amazing and they're, you know, they are amazing and it's all, it's all fantastic, quite often I'll get deflated and turned off to that person because I think, well, I'll never be that good. Exactly. I'll never be able to do that. It's not really. I'm just so ordinary. I couldn't do that. Yeah. So I, I feel that's why this very ordinary man has become, you know, has, 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 has done pretty well what I'm doing, but also feel, in terms of businesses who are looking for brand ambassadors, you know, you've got to remember that as much as I support, you know, as much as I propel the solo cause, you know, single caravanners don't rule them out. Most people buying are still couples and who chooses the caravan? Who chooses the motorhome? Now the man can, or, you know, the technical one of the couple can basically go into every single technical detail, but it is the the woman or you know the the man if he's the uh, the, the more style the partner or if the yeah. more start the style focused style led person who chooses so yeah we need more women we need more you definitely need more diversity yes. in this this business uh, I feel we are so limited in how we are projecting ourselves the um, society's changed so much in the last twenty years hasn't it. And but talking yeah. about though, talking about well, slightly moving on from that slightly, the leisure vehicle market as a whole. Do you mm-hmm. feel? I think I'm going to. I know the answer to this, but do you, do you feel it's probably recognised by other in- industries? Absolutely not, John. Absolutely <laughs> not. I we, need to say that. <laughs> it's. Uh, I talk. I, I still been doing touring articles, the Caravan and Motorhome Club, and that magazine goes out to a million people. Yes. in this country who are seeking touring inspiration and sometimes you can you can email a business and say you know i'm in the area i visited your cafe say for example and i'd like to put it in this magazine it won't cost you anything we just need an image of your cafe or of your business to go in and so many won't even answer wow. because they just see the word caravan and think yeah we don't want that yeah and i I, I think the clubs are doing a good job, but I still feel, I, I think, I just don't know how they do it, banging our heads against a wall yeah. about 
the disposable income of caravanners and motorhomers, I mean, even up here in the islands, you get one or two keyboard warriors who are uh, sort of putting down motorhomes where you think, actually, if you talk to all the business owners up here, they love motorhomes because they spend money in their businesses. You know, they stop at their cafes. Mm-hmm. We all know that, yeah, you can make, it's nice to have a cup of tea on the way, but most of us like to go out and have a meal at least a few times on our holidays. Absolutely. It's, it's and, and it's, yeah, but it's, it's so hard mm-hmm. to get that message out there. And mm-hmm. I've yeah, had this as well, both through when I, if I do a freelance article, I have, the, I have exactly the same experience. But also in my time in, well, in the car industry, in the in PR departments, I was trump, trumpeting the falls for the caravan side of things. But even then, a lot of marketing departments weren't that that interested i mean i i I switched from uh journalism into pr on the basis that i approached companies that would most value my knowledge of that of that sector which is why i ended up working at Vauxhall then and then volvo obviously because they had a reasonable leaning towards that but there's other brands well Mm -hmm. kia for instance you've taken the step you pioneered uh taken your pioneering step to the next level now with buying actually putting your money into an an electric vehicle and you're uh yes Doing some fantastic PR, I think, for the Kia EV6 as a tow car. But uh, sadly, they don't even answer my emails. I mean, you must, must have and, generated themselves and already. I'll, I'll, I'll tag some posts on Instagram and nothing, zero. No interaction at all. Not even a view. Not even a view, John. Uh, I, I don't know if they know up, even if I exist. But you, but uh, also, you were t- you've been a tow car of the year, Judge. You still many under- years. Yeah, many years. So they should be aware of that and know your name through that. Yeah. I, I, well, to be fair to Kia, I also wrote to Hyundai and Skoda mm-hmm. after last year's Caravan and Motorhome Club Tokar of the Year Awards, mm-hmm. uh, just saying I had this idea uh, to, to purchase. And I said the word purchase. I didn't say black. Yeah. I, I didn't yeah. want anything for free. It's just I want to purchase this. Yeah. But obviously, if you get, get manufacturer backing, you would hope that maybe they would help give your content a wider audience yes. and yeah not one of those manufacturers even replied to my email oh, i shops and rams hugely disappointed yeah it, it, it is disappointing and I, and but i also I, I also understand from the manufacturer's point of view because and i know this happens a lot in the leisure vehicle industry i think i think people in marketing and pr are getting emails practically daily be fair, from, they do. And it's yeah, from you know, I've got a YouTube channel. You know, I want to do this, or for this, this industry is, um, oh, we're going to pack up our house and sell up and go on the road for you. Will you give us a motorhome? Yeah, and yeah. I, I think this is so. I, I can also, but I, I would, I was hoping by now that yeah, there there are people who say yes, you've switched me onto an EV. It is a realistic option for my kind of touring because again. You know, not every kind of touring yeah. is suited for an EV, but um, yeah, you got to say seasonal. Yeah, at the moment. Yeah. But for some people, they're saying, yes, this would suit me. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, nothing yet, but <laughs> we're working on it. We're working on it, hopefully. I thought of something else I was going to say then, but I've, it's, just, it's escaped me. But, no, but there are people towing with electric vehicles. And there's, I certainly remember seeing a letter in the Caravan and Motorhome Club magazine from somebody with a Mercedes EQC and getting, a, getting or even you're saying you can get to 120 miles. That's that's quite a respectable, yes. respectable distance, actually. It is. And at the end of the day, if you're doing 120 miles, then that's going to take well over two hours. And we know that you should be 
yeah. stopping for a break every two hours anyway. Yeah. And yeah. It's I, just I, charging on a motorway services with a caravan in tow is not ideal at the moment. But that will change as well because there's already one in Essex, isn't there, with the drive in and the drive through. Yeah. Yeah. And I would hope too, I think we all understand, as we hinted earlier, that the the way that electricity is provided to units on site is going to have to change soon, whether it's metered or reduced or whatever. And I would hope that maybe both the Camping and Caravanning Club and the Caravan and Motorhome Club might then consider some kind of an option on sites that have the space to do so, that when people are on the road and they need to charge, they can pull in at the site to charge up. Yeah, and and then carry on with their journey. That's a that's, great idea. That's that's an option that, that could be on the cards. And great idea. They'd have to manage that, etc., etc. But also, actually, I heard, uh, watched a video of a speech given by the CEO of you know ACSI mm-hmm. in in Holland, and he yeah. it was at the European Caravanning Federation uh, AGM, I think, last uh, recently. Uh, he was saying that their, their research is that they've been doing some uh, great content on their YouTube channel of some electric vehicles or and hybrids, etc. Because he was saying that a lot of countries that at the moment don't have an infrastructure, like Croatia, for instance, some of these far-flung southern European countries, are really going to lose out if people, as people switch to electric vehicles and hopefully electric camper vans and motorhomes as well, mm. if there's no infrastructure there for them to charge, they they're not going to go and that will start no. impacting their tourism business in a, in a massive way. So you can uh, do, yeah. it's going to be a big investment for a lot of these people, either the sites themselves or, <laughs> but I was laughing because some of the sites I've been to in Southern Europe, the electricity supply is not great at the best of times. Ropey, yes. <laughs> <laughs> the charging yeah. an electric vehicle is another step forward, but these are all the issues mm. that the, uh, the industry's really got to, got to look at, isn't it? I guess so. And and some people are holding their cards close to their chest because who knows what's going to happen with battery technology over the next 10 years. There are some people who are still holding out for hydrogen. And so so we're we're still in uncharted territory. And I I remember sort of 20 years ago as as an early adopter of of technology, Mm. I used to patch my Nokia 64. 410i to the computer with a Bluetooth dongle so I could go online with it. And I used to think back in the day, oh, why don't the sites put in wireless wired connections to the site bollards? So oh, yeah. we can plug a, you know, <laughs> plug a LAN cable yeah. into the site bollard and get online. Well, that would have been ridiculous because if they'd invested in that five years down the line when wireless technology came online and it rendered, you know, wired uh, connections yeah uh, obsolete that would have been a huge investment down the drain so True. i can also understand that it's 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 uh to go slowly and and, and see what happens but not too slowly because you could miss out as well mm-hmm. that's true as yeah well. yeah mm-hmm. the, and also caravans need to either get lighter or we've already seen the technology haven't we with uh the likes of Deathlefts using the powered axle for the caravans as well. So there's a lot of... Yeah, that's interesting. There's a lot of developments coming, I think, in the next five to ten years, or definitely within ten years, we'll see mm. big changes for the industry. Yeah, cool. and, and also what people, you know, with the, the current generation now, with the Hyundai Kia platform, you've got this V2L where you use the, the car as a 77-kilowatt yeah. power bank for the caravan, Wow, which suddenly makes electric hookups obsolete. You wow. don't need them. You know, you need car charging points, but you actually don't need an electric hookup because you hook up to the car. 
But it's hilarious. Oh, well, isn't it? everything. Yeah, it's come full circle from the days when you used to plug the caravan into the back of the car to get some 12 volt power into the caravan just to light a couple of yeah. fluorescent lights inside. And now we're going yes. to end up being able to power mains electricity inside again via the car. It's, uh, yeah, 13 amps. So you can yeah. go up to three, three kilowatts of yeah. the and, car. And are they the. No, they're not the first. Well, they're one of the first uh, manufacturers to offer that on a car, aren't they? I know when I, I went. I believe so, yeah. In the ID Buzz uh, from BW. The ID Buzz will, but that's not available yet. No, no. No, that, that's really cool. Mm. Oh, okay. Well, we've already been talking for uh, about half an hour, I reckon. So we want to think oh, about it. Not going on for too long. So it's really interesting all the stuff we've covered on media and how it's changed and how, how to look and how to give people tips on how to generate decent content. Is there anything else you'd like to add on that side? I think we've covered most things. There was something I was going to say that I, I've forgotten. Yeah. I mean, there's something else I'd like to talk about on for, for other content producers who might be listening who and how to start because, again, we're back to the subject of free work. And I've seen it too many times where where the actual content producer is not charging for their work or not charging sufficiently. And then when, when the time comes to start charging for their work so they can stay in business, the, the, then they, they, they get a rude shock when, when the manufacturers are no longer too keen to spend that money because it's like, well, you did this job for us for, for next to nothing. So why do you suddenly now want paying the, the market rate for it? And, and I've, there was, I've seen it both in traditional media and, and new media. I, I, I know of someone who provided a, an article uh, to a magazine for free, thinking they would get more work on the back of it. And then when the magazine asked for a second article, they said, well, that's great, but now I'd like your regular page rate. The magazine just turned and said, well, no, you, you, you've worked for free. So why do you want paying now? Yeah. And I understand when you're setting out, you, you need to get your foot in the door, so to speak, and maybe do some lost leaders, but make it clear. very yeah. yeah, but it's you've got to be careful because also, as I say, it's not really interesting, not really in the business's interest to to take someone on who's not accountable and can severely damage their brand. Mm. So you, you've got to you know you've got to start small, uh, but at the same time starting working free for the big boys is basically supplementing uh another business with your own money and that's something that i think has gone on since time memorial mm. uh and it is, still it, something that, you know you know a lot of european journalists as well would you say it's, it's the same situation across the channel or are they in a better situation or more advanced than us or even i would say it's even i i'd know more about the people in Germany and in Germany so switched on, so switched on and people are making uh, a good living out of uh, brand ambassador deals or uh, freelance content producing and, and really, and doing a really good job as well. Uh, there's some smashing, smashing. Yeah. But, but again, I think too, for the businesses, we're, we're in a stage at the moment where Things are going really well for the leisure vehicle industry. In fact, they're going a little bit too well because demand yeah. is currently outstripping supply. Yeah. And so therefore, I'm finding many businesses are actually not spending anything on marketing because the argument is, yeah. we've got nothing left to sell. Yeah, I think that is really, really short-sighted because now is the time 
to focus less on selling product and more on building engagement. Because I think the writing's on the wall that this bubble we're in right now mm-hmm. is about to burst. Mm-hmm. I hate to be the bearer of bad news, but I've got a horrible feeling that this time next year, we will not be in the same situation. And the business that is currently investing its marketing resources into building engagement and creating its own community is the company that's going to ride that storm that is on the horizon. And the company that's going, yeah, we don't need to spend anything on marketing. We're selling everything we can build. Suddenly, when that storm arrives or the carpet gets pulled out from under their feet, they will be starting from nothing. Yeah. And the businesses who have thought, no, we're going to focus our marketing on engagement, they will be the ones who have got that core base of hardcore fans who will support their business through thick and thin. They've built a following. Absolutely. And that's, again, where paying for the right kind of content on the right kind of engagement and mm-hmm. working on that, it's not, e- it's not easy. And trust me, I've got the headaches to prove it. Uh, that's where it, it, will, it will bear fruit. Whereas, as I say, I, I feel there's a lot of short-sightedness going on at the moment. Mm-hmm. We don't need to, to, to spend anything because we've got nothing left to sell. Uh, will you be in that position next year and do you want to be starting from zero yeah yeah you're right not really yeah that's really sound advice Andrew I really yeah really pleased to hear you say that actually it's very because ironically they've they've all got the money at the moment as well there's there's no shortage of income absolutely Absolutely. it is limited to how many they can produce and sell of course they could they're not able to meet the yeah and don't get me wrong I I also really, really sympathise with the manufacturers and the dealers, the businesses and all the businesses who haven't got product to sell because they can't get the raw materials or they can't get the product. So, of course, a dealership, if they've got no caravans to sell, they're not making any money. Mm. And, and, I, and I get that. But, you know, they're hopefully still staying up. Well, yes, they're still staying in business and they're selling everything they can get their hands on. Mm. And like I say, now is the time to build that safe to build that core audience and make that safety net and that so that, that you know there, there are dark clouds on the horizon well i mean hopefully the bubble won't burst but it can't carry on increasing at this rate or stay no, it's, no. it's got to at least settle down a bit hasn't it and everyone says that there's all these newcomers to the market so they haven't got the, the luxury we have of knowing all these brands for 20 odd years they're, they're new they're ready to be uh and, need- yeah and these people john we need to retain them. We need to keep them engaged. And that was very, very forward thinking of NCC events at the the February NEC show where they put a lot of resources into retention because they knew that there wasn't going to be a huge amount of product to sell at that show. You know, it's plenty, but not as much as normal. So NCC put money into, you know, engaging those new people, showing them what they could do with their motorhomes and showing them where they could go with their camper vans, how to use their caravans. That is the kind of forward thinking investment and, and fantastic use of resources that that is, I think, is well worth considering. Excellent. Definitely. That's really good. Yeah. Okay, I've got some sort of quick questions to, th- to throw. Okay. Don't think about Rapid these two. We'll just have a quick one run through. Do you think 
in 10 years' time, the UK will sell more motorhomes than caravans? Because I know a lot of European markets, motorhomes outsell caravans comfortably. Mm-hmm. I don't. I think the, I know the numbers of motorhomes, and motorhomes, of course, includes campervans and campervans as yeah. a classification. But uh, do you think that's the trend? Or the UK is a bit, a bit of a... It's- we a bit unique at the moment. I think it's just us in Holland where we think we sell more caravans than motorhomes. But uh, is that going to change? I I think it will. And as much as I love motorhoming, I still feel that people buy motorhomes who might have been better off with a caravan. And I think this is down to image again. At the end of the day, campervans are cool. Yeah. Caravans are not. Yeah. And I think that's a crying shame because we have some fantastically cool caravans out there. Yeah. And again, it's getting that message to market. Yeah. But I think you're right. That, yeah, And I know people are intimidated it's, by towing. It's getting people to mm. experience that it's not as difficult as it, as it looks at all. No. Okay, cool. So if you could take a caravan or a motel on holiday anywhere in the world, where would you like to go? Other Norway. than the Hebrides, Norway. Other, other than Scotland. Other yeah. than Scotland. It is my dream to to go to Norway. I, I'd love to do that. Also, uh, just Scandinavia. I, yeah. The thing is... I think we all know it would cost a huge amount of money and take a huge amount of time. And, you know, the words you used there, John, was holiday. And (laughs) I would love to do his holiday, but the truth is I don't think I've been on a caravan holiday for uh, (laughs) certainly for the past five years. And actually, I'm, I'm looking forward the end of this year. I've got a new caravan coming and I'm... I'm setting aside two weeks to go away without the cameras to take my caravan on holiday. Good for you. Good for you. you. I know the feeling. When you're away on a working trip, you're constantly thinking, what do I need to take a photo of or make notes of, etc. So if you had a magic wand, what would you wish for to benefit the caravan industry as a whole? Ooh, that's a good question, John. How would I fix everything? My magic wand would be that we could have super lightweight, spacious, attractive, desirable caravans uh, at an affordable price for everyone. Uh, but, you know, that's the magic wand bit because yeah. everyone wants the space of a three-bedroom bungalow on the chassis of a, of a matchbox. And, uh, you know, if I had a magic wand, I'd make that happen. Yeah. And, and what do you like most about working in the, car- in the caravan sort of leisure vehicle industry? It's about, and this is where I start getting teared up, tearing up and everything. It's about helping people achieve their dreams. And as I've mentioned a lot of times in my content, I know too many people who have worked hard all their lives and they've had a plan that they want to go traveling and then they stop working and then they keel over. And, you know, my own family, my, my brother was hit with a, an infection and he became paraplegic in his 40s. So what I love to do is to encourage people to just seize the moment and live their dreams. And that dream normally involves a leisure vehicle. And I think it's something that we all need to remember. Every single one of us in this this industry is that we are not dealing with vehicles. We're not dealing with bits and pieces. We are dealing with people's dreams. And that is something you can't put a price on. And that's what I love about doing what I do. That's lovely, Andrew. That's brilliant. I love that. And and we're talking of dreams then. If you could uh, be on a campsite with a a barbecue or something, uh, can you think of a couple of 
celebrities, people, politicians, whoever, alive or dead, that you'd like to sit there and... Ooh, no, I'm reading a book at the moment with... by... So, well, I'm, I'm reading a book at the moment by an author called Johan Hari, uh, and it's called Stolen Focus, and he sounds like a very interesting man. I'd like to, to chat with him. Who else would I... Who else would I like to be on a campsite with? Definitely someone who could make me laugh. I think that has to be Teresa, Teresa Heath-Waring. Brilliant. She's, <laughs> she's a very inspirational woman. She... She, she lights a fire on your backside. You yeah, she lights a fire on your backside. <laughs> you, you're probably going to get no, that, unless there's lots of gin, of course. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we, we just tempt her with a, with a vat of gin. But yeah, uh, and who else? I, I, yeah, just I'm not really into the celebrity culture or anything no, like no, that. No, but yeah, as I say, I think, I think at the moment, just because I'm reading his book, I quite enjoy Johan Hari. Cool, yeah. cool. And then finally, Caravan Motown, which is your always always going to be your first choice for a holiday. Having and tried moment, both, yeah. I mean, I've just bought another caravan. I, I I kept people guessing whether I was going to transition to a motorhome or not. I seriously considered a van conversion. Yeah, because uh, but but it's still at the end of the day, it's down to the way you the way you tour, the way you use your outfit, mm-hmm. and I. For me, it just works to put my caravan in one place and then use the car uh, to to go and visit things. Yeah, and and each has each has their place, and and I value the, each of them, and I still enjoy my motorhome tours that I do mm-hmm. because they are tours. They are one or two nights in a place. Whereas, yeah, yeah different. I think for me, I'm pretty lazy, so I like to 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 hit to pitch up the caravan. And, and then you're there for a week and that, that suits me. Yeah, I think I'm with you. My, my wife and, and kids generally prefer motorhomes. I think if I gave them a choice, it would be a motorhome or, or a camper van of some sort. But I, I'm, I'm with you, really. I, like, I still like towing. It just feels like more of an adventure to me. But, yeah. Uh, hey, yeah. all part yeah. of the fun. Horses, everyone's good for their choice. Right. Andrew, thank you very much for your time. Now, before we finish, let's just make sure that if people want to find out more about you or follow you on social media, etc., could just give us, give us your details, which channels are you on? Yeah, so if people are on social media, I do limit my social media purely to Instagram. Yeah. So I'm on Instagram as Andrew J. Ditton. Yeah. Uh, but for business inquiries, uh, then please check out my website, which is andrewditton.com. Okay. And I stress that is purely for, for businesses. I do have a consultancy as well. So if any consumers wish to employ me to help them choose their motorhome or camper van again that's at andrewditton.com oh okay yeah. thank you very much andrew i look forward to seeing you uh, around maybe at the next nec show i can't it's probably not gonna be before i will be there john Excellent. i will be there good i look forward, <laughs> forward to seeing you brilliant there. thank you andrew brilliant thank you john thank you Thank you for listening to this podcast. I really hope you enjoyed it and would really appreciate it if you could share it with as many people as possible. Even better, please give me a five-star review in iTunes. It would be a great help. If you'd like me to interview you, want to suggest someone to interview, or interested in sponsoring this podcast, or want to get in touch with me for any reason, please drop me a line at john at rawlingscommunications.com or message me on Instagram at rawlings underscore comms. Thanks very much. Bye for now.